Welcome to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Well, good evening, everyone. You're tuned in to the Dating and Relationship Show on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. I'm Laura Bellotta of singleinthecity.ca. My co-host is back, Yay. Sandra Carusi from Inside Jokes. Where have you been, girl? Oh, you know, taking lots of drugs. <laughs> But you're Stoned. feeling better. Yeah, I feel a lot better. Oh, good. I do. Very, yes. very glad. Thank you for uh, covering and uh, all the work you guys do here. You know what? My pleasure. I love this show. Yeah. I could imagine. I enlo- I love enriching people's lives every week. Oh, look at you. I imagine the parties that were held here with my absentia. Yeah, big yeah. parties. Recently. All right. Well, okay. Be fun. Well, in accordance with recent census data, 40% of Canada's permanent residents are first or second generation immigrants. The South Asian population in particular has grown exponentially with approximately 1.3 million Canadians tracing their traditions and heritage to South Asian countries. Today we are exploring the cultural dilemmas, differences and demands the South Asian youth and young adults are confronted with. It isn't simply a matter of boy meets girl, let alone girl meets girl or boy meets boy. It's a matter of religion, class, ethnicity, culture, language, upbringing, societal pressures, morality, and sexuality. Joining us for this interesting discussion today is uh, Daniel Pillay, a media personality and LGBTQ advocate for the South Asian community, and Mira Solanke Estrada, founder and editor-in-chief at Fusion Media a digital magazine for Canadian South Asian women, all about fashion and lifestyle. Welcome, welcome, everybody, to the show. Thank you for having Thank us. Thank you. So the two of you are second-generation South Asian Canadians, yes? So tell me about your upbringing when it came to sexuality, sex, and relationships. Oh, my God. Who wants to start? Who wants okay. to go first? Daniel, you start. <laughs> yeah. um, well, you didn't talk about sex. I don't think you even knew what it was until you got to high school and then... You know, people. everyone's kind of horny. You know, that's how high school was. <laughs> but, um, I, I, you know, it's it's taboo. I mean, even till this day, I'm very uncomfortable if my mom and I are watching a film together and then there's like a sex scene or Or people kissing. making out. It's really yeah. uncomfortable. Um, but it, that was pretty much the environment. You just don't talk about it. And so your sexuality is never discussed either, whether you're gay or straight. I think my sister is so uncomfortable talking about dating guys too. It's It's just not something you do with your parents. So I think that's pretty much yeah. how I would say. So they up. never had the, the sex talk. No, right? so this was the talk. Never. When I got my period for the first time, my mom sat me down and she's like, Mira, mm-hmm. now you can get pregnant. <laughs> and I was like, My God, I'm like eleven years Yay! old. <laughs> and that was it. That was it. That wow. was the whole talk. And and then I was like scared out of my mind. And that was our sex talk, which was not even a sex talk. It was like a stern warning. I don't what did it mean? I mean, yeah, I yeah. can get pregnant. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, we did talk. About it. And I remember being, so, like you said, Daniel, like, so uncomfortable. Like, people are kissing on TV, and I would, like, get up and find something I needed to eat. Yeah. Like, open the fridge and, like, look around for, like, as long yeah. as possible. <laughs> so or if true. it just happened to, you know, nowadays Bollywood films have a lot of that stuff, too, right? And you used to be able to just sit with your mom and watch an entire mm-hmm. film from the front to back. And now you just can't do that. Cause... Yeah, the Bollywood films are quite sexual, aren't they? Yeah. They I mean, are. Indian culture, like, hello, where did the Kama Sutra come from, right? Yeah. Our culture is quite sexual it was repressed uh thanks to colonization mm-hmm. changed a lot of things Brit- but see? the brits did see? it to us with their tight. yeah yeah but 
Um, we were quite a, a openly sexual Interesting. culture yeah. before all of that. Yeah. Well, I don't ever remember. I'm Italian, and I don't ever remember uh, my parents having the sex talk with my, with no. me either. And I remember getting my period, and I don't think my mom ever said, okay, now you can get pregnant. <laughs> she didn't <laughs> say what? anything to me at all. It wasn't yeah. a formal sex talk. I think it's what you're not supposed to do or what we yeah. expect you not to do. That's yeah. That was the talk for us. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now you can get pregnant. So that means don't have sex. I, yeah. Don't talk I, to boys. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to see a boy around you. Yeah. You know, so that's you're told what you're not to do. And yeah. that's a sex talk. So what are some of the cultural limitations that some of our millennial South Asians are facing in today's society? I mean, I find there's so much, you know, it's so hard because I think my family went through a lot just our own family unit. So there were so many limitations there. But I think culturally speaking, I think my parents were just victims of the same culture. Like um, they were trapped in a very unhappy marriage and they couldn't talk about it. And so they didn't wouldn't talk allow, to us. Wouldn't a lot of them be trapped in an unhappy marriage though? Because yeah, marriages are, are, are usually arranged, right? Well, but they yeah. actually have greater success, I read yeah. statistically. And I'll look it up for you. Am I right or no? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. So, so in... 2014, over 62% of marriages in India were arranged. Um, And when you say arranged, even here, so the arranged is sometimes just the family being involved in sort of that matchmaking process, which not is not necessarily a bad thing. They introduce they, you. They're introducing you. So it's not like you're meeting this person on your wedding day. It's sort of, you know... So they it's, don't force it's you. Not, yeah, it's not a force. Oh, forced. I thought it was forced. No, no, no. Okay. It's arranged. I mean, there are situations where it is forced. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, but for the most part, in now modern day society, mm-hmm. it's more of your family having a role in introducing you to your partner. Yeah. I, I just want to say um, the divorce rate for arranged marriages, this is 2012, was 6% compared to 55% here in North America, I think. Um, so what a difference, 6%. Now that could be because they're scared to do it, to divorce, or is it just, it worked out well. It's like, hey, this is my culture. You know what, say. we're gonna come right back to this. We need to take a break. We're gonna talk about the pressures to marry in the South Asian community when we come back on the Dating and Relationship Show. So stay with us. You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta. From singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. I'm Laura Bellotta. My co-host is Sandra Carusi from mm-hmm. Inside Jokes. Yep. In studio with us today, we have Daniel Pillay. He's a media personality and LGBTQ advocate for the South Asian community. And Mira Solanki Estrada. She's a founder and editor-in-chief at Fuja Media. And today we're talking about, uh, we're exploring the cultural dilemmas, differences and demands the South Asian community has on young adults and uh, that they're faced with. And uh, we want to talk about the pressures to marry, okay? So let's look at the marriage pressures that South Asians have to deal with when it comes to their families. Why such pressure? I want to clear something up, first of all, because a lot of times we tend to look at the South Asian culture and we say, um almost look at it in a negative way and say that culture in particular there's that pressure to marry I want to look at it a little bit more holistic general basis because if you just look on a grand scale look at culture um, in general like so look at rom-coms so in 2010 Hollywood movies alone produced 15 romantic comedies there was 300 romantic chiclet novels that were out there. The amount of 
messages that women and men get in general, like just from popular culture, not South Asian culture, like mainstream Western culture as well, to find the right one, to to get married. Like oftentimes we put it into boxes of different cultures, but I think it's culture in general. There's very much Mm -hmm. this pressure to find that one, to be partnered up with somebody. It's not just a South Asian thing. I think it's a patriarchal society mm-hmm. thing. Oh, that for sure. Right? I think what you're saying is true um, from a, like a broader scope. But I think the reason why, for South Asians at least, right, becomes such an issue is that sometimes our culture doesn't allow us the agency to choose. Our parents think they're the ones who can choose for us or that they know. And oftentimes, I mean, Mira will agree with this, is family alliances. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it could be business. Sometimes it uh, could be different things that have come together. But is that happening it. here in Canada? You'd be surprised. Yeah, yeah. so that's surprised. the difference. So the pressure, I think, is overall, it's a it's a culture it's a cultural pressure no matter what culture, but the difference in South Asian culture is because there's family involvement. And that's what makes it So different. I host I host speed dating events for the South Asian community. I've been hosting them for about six years now. Wow. And I find them to be the most popular. Yeah, between the ages of like 25 and 38, something like that. Like they're well, packed. The, so there, there's the other tier where you're pressured to be married by a certain age because especially for girls. Isn't wow. it 18 to 30 for, for women? You know, 18 like, to 30, something like that. There's you know, that pressure. Even younger. I mean, you know, I know a lot of so many people from high school are married and have kids and they got married when they were like 23 and 24. Yeah, so, yeah. And I'm like, I was still trying to find out what I was doing in life. And I yeah. can't believe you got married. Because they had that pressure. Yeah. So, you know? yeah, all of my girlfriends got married in their early 20s. I got married wow. when I was 33, which was, I was like, oh, I was old school, right? Well, what are you doing? Like, you're so, so mm-hmm. far gone. But mm-hmm. in my mind, I was like, I would much rather be single and happy than with the wrong person and spend my whole so, life with the wrong person. So, um, and it was a huge deal and there was tons of pressure. And I remember so many nights crying and my parents being like, you know, look at look at your best friend and this best friend and uh, this person and that person and they're all gone on with their life. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm just not going to do it. I'm not going to, I'm not going to be that one that settles. Mm-hmm. Um, Good for you. Uh, and it, it was a, it was a hard thing to do. Um, especially as a woman. Yeah, but you're, it's, it but came no. from that traditional mindset because initially, um, you know, your parents wanted you to have someone there for women, especially to take care of them from a financial standpoint as well. It's not the case anymore, right? Women are now mm. educated. They're able to take care of themselves financially on their own, um, oftentimes more educated than their partner. Um, so those things are changing. And now a lot of times women want to ha- settle down in their careers, find their career paths, find their roles before they get married. So it is changing. Mindsets are changing. After some research, I found out that married individuals are given a higher status in the mm. South Asian community mm-hmm. than those that are unmarried. True? Uh, you know what? I, I would say maybe back in communities in, you know, in India and Pakistan yes. in the South Asian countries, not so much here. Um, I know, like, my sister, for instance, she'll be 28 in October. My mom's not on her case to get married. I think our generation dealt with a lot of that pressure. But, I mean, you know, she's 28. She'll be 30 soon. So now, you know, the the age is kind of bumped up a little bit. But then yeah. the pressure will set in eventually Do You know what? Well. I just want to bring this up. Sunny Leone, who um, was an adult movie star, yes. mm-hmm. went into mainstream Bollywood movies. Mm-hmm. And she said flat out, I mean, I love her. She said flat out, because she was married... Mm-hmm. 
She was accepted by the community more in her movies because for an adult star to transfer to Bollywood, mm-hmm. that's a big mm-hmm. jump, right? But it's interesting to know because you're married, you get a higher status. I absolutely agree that's, with that. That's in this society too, though. Yeah. I think yeah. there's that's a secret thing here in well, the thing North is, America. Hey, I'm high society. I'm not married. What are you talking about? <laughs> if she was single, then they would have considered her to be a loose woman, so to speak. You know, like yes. if she was yeah. single, but because she was married. They kind of great. They gave credibility to her that she was doing this That's as a career. Right. She was a taken woman at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. When we come back, Daniel, I want to hear from you. I want to ask you how this has affected you being gay, mm-hmm. right? Because sure. uh, well, you're not married, and so how has this affected you? But when we come back, you're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show. We'll be right back. Now back to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. You're tuned into the Dating and Relationship Show on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. I'm Laura Bellotta of singleinthecity.ca. My co-host is Sandra Crusi from Inside Jokes. And today we are joined by Daniel Pillay. He's a media personality and LGBTQ advocate for the South Asian community. And Mira Estrada, Solanki Estrada. Can I say Estrada? Mm-hmm. Your husband like Spanish? Yes, he is. Oh, love it. Uh, founder and editor-in-chief of Fusia Media. We're talking about South Asian relationships, patterns in dating and marriage. And uh, before the break, we were talking about the pressures that South Asian immigrant children have to marry. So, Daniel, how has this pressure to marry affected you being gay in your 30s and not married? You know, I, I, I think my parents don't want me to get married. In the sense that, you know, because I'm gay, it's easier to not be married, so to speak. You know, I don't feel pressure at all. I'll be completely honest with you. Um, Because I was always the black sheep, so to speak, growing up. And so when I kind of came out, I just, I kind of lived my own life on my own terms. And my parents, I'm I'm very straightforward with them. But I think when it comes to marriage, I mean, when I meet somebody and I cross that bridge, um, it would be a very weird conversation to have. Like, I, I, I don't know how I would be with my partner in front of my parents. Like, I'm thinking about it. It's kind of like making me so hot and kind of uncomfortable already. <laughs> and like, I just don't know. Because then they would know that you have gay sex. And then that makes me even more uncomfortable. Yeah. That they, would, they would know yeah. these things. Do you have a good relationship with your parents now? I don't have a good relationship with my father. I have a great one with my mom. Um, and that's because I... I've kept the doors open to conversation and I ask her questions too. Your dad just doesn't get it yet. You know, my dad and I never had a good relationship. So it's not, it has nothing to do with my sexuality. I'm sure it's a layer for him, but I just, we don't have personalities now, that how much. About, how about your cousins, your aunts and uncles? Do you mm-hmm. have good relationships with them? How are they around you? My mom is the youngest of 14. Oh boy. So wow. I had a lot of them around. Yeah, I've got a lot of cousins. And they've accepted you for who you are and... I think, you know, what happened is when I ended up on TV, I think they... They're like, oh, he's a superstar. Exactly. Yeah. I, I don't think I, I would have had that respect as easily or that love had I not ended up on TV. But they loved talking about me, sharing what their cousin was doing. But growing up, it was tough because I grew up in a generation of female cousins. So a lot of the time, my feminine characteristics were just passed off as, oh, he's growing up around a lot of girls. <laughs> and a lot of my male cousins were older. They were already in their teens. They bullied me a lot. Yeah. And the dynamics have kind of changed. Like, they, they come up to me with a lot of respect. Their kids watch me on TV and they like it. So they see me in a different light. But it was definitely difficult. I mean, my aunts and uncles never said anything to me out and out. Um, my dad bullied me a lot. I think he thought he could scare the gay out of did, me. Did your aunts and uncles treat you differently, though? Like at family functions? 
you know, um, I remember when I told my mom the next day she invited some of her sisters over for tea. And then she told them while I was in the shower. And when I came out, they all came out hugging me. Like, oh, we love you. We accept you for who you are. But I had the opposite reaction. They felt bad for some of the things they could have said to keep me in the closet longer. Like how they could have hurt my feelings, Aww. so to speak. So they came from a completely emotional point of view. Yeah. My uncles have not addressed it. And I know they know. You know, I never really made an announcement. I ended up on TV. Like, mm. I wasn't going to hide myself. They know I'm gay. But nobody's addressed it. But I don't feel any different around them. I will mm. say that. You know, when we're having family dinners, having family parties, they're all asking me about the work I do. They don't make me feel any indifference. So you feel like if you got you found a partner, you would have to hide him from your parents? or No, I no. don't feel that way. I won't hide anything in my life. That's for sure. But I just don't know how the dynamics would be in front of my parents. Yeah, You know, Mm -hmm. it's not like I have a gay cousin who's older than me who did this and I could follow their footprints. You know, I'm pretty much the first one to do it in my family. You know, like, it's just weird. I don't know. Like, but you know mm. what? That's if I brought home someone of a different ethnicity, too. It's anyone that's sort of like same for myself. That makes me feel better. (laughs) You know, uh, I married somebody that was a different religion, a different culture, divorced with the kids. I know none of my cousins or anybody in my family had done that. Like that was mm-hmm. huge. And when yeah. I made that decision to tell my parents, I fully, and sometimes we don't give our parents enough credit as well. Mm-hmm. I remember the day I was telling my parents, I, uh, my brother was waiting in the basement. And, like, my brother was fully on board. Like my brother loves my husband to death. Aww. And Aww. he was waiting in the basement. And I said, I'm fully prepared that I might get disowned today. And I, w- I was ready for that. And my brother's waiting in the basement and my mom reacted completely different than I thought. She hugged me and she embraced me and she's like, you know what, I see you and John together and I know he's the right guy for you and you know, you can't help who you fall in love with and if this is what it is, this is what it is. And my brother came up like two hours later, he's like, what happened? I didn't hear any yelling or screaming, what's going on? And and, you know, me and my mom were in tears and it was so different than what I imagined. And you just you just never know, right? And quickly further to that, sometimes in our culture we're so used to. I'm always to have my sh- I always have my shoulder up, prepared for exactly. backlash. That sometimes I realize I've got things going on in my head that are not happening. My grandma was 75 when I told her that I was gay, and I thought she would be the one to disown me or put up the most backlash. And she's like, "Well, God's made many children like you." Aww. And I said, well, you know, you know, mom and dad are going to have a hard time. She's like, who cares? Like, they'll get used to it. And I was Aww. like, that's my grandma. I did not expect that from yeah. her. So we have yeah, to give we have them to some give, credit. We have to give, yeah, we have to give people credit. Yeah, and same with my dad. There, and the thing is, my father said, he goes, there are going to be people that are not going to be happy, that are not going to have these same feelings. We'll just cut them out. We'll have a smaller uh, wedding, and uh, those people won't be part uh, of it. He goes, if you, they don't have well wishes for us, they won't be included. So you see, so, that's beautiful. I sometimes face the pressure not to say I'm gay. Like, just let it be known, but you don't need to say it. Mm-hmm. And I find that sometimes even I end up pursing my lips at family functions and stuff. Well, I, yeah, because I'm going to take a wild guess that you're gay once you speak. And <laughs> pe- pe- people might guess that. Yeah. <laughs> Just let them guess. Don't say it. Yeah. What a great conversation here. Keep listening to the Dating and Relationship Show. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. You're tuned in to the Dating and Relationship Show. Thanks for tuning in each and every Sunday night. I'm Laura Bellotta. 
of singleinthecity.ca. My co-host is Sandra Carusi from Inside Jokes. Today, we're talking about uh, South Asian relationships, patterns in dating and marriage with Daniel Pillay, a media personality and the LGBTQ advocate for the South Asian community, and Mira Solanke Estrada. She's a founder and editor-in-chief of Fuja Media. So, Daniel, before the break, mm-hmm. you were telling us this amazing story about you coming out and your family. And how do you deal with all the pressure, though? I don't. I think that's what it is. I, I kind of take what my parents say with a grain of salt. But that's only because when I came out to my family, I was very sure of who I was. And I it didn't look back. And I think that for a lot of um, people out there who are struggling with this, you have to have a sense of... Um, you have to be assured in your own identity as an individual. You know, you kind of have, you can't waver with whatever it is that you believe in. And sometimes it's not about your sexuality. It's where you stand in life. It's the things that you believe. It's Mm. who you're talking to, what you like Mm. to eat, how you like to dress. It has to be all of that. You have to be holistically just confident in what it is that you're bringing to the table because your sexuality is just a part of that. And if you've got that with you, then you can tackle a conversation with your parents you'd be able to talk to them but I think the key is to be open to that conversation if I went off my mother's initial reaction I would have shut the door and maybe I would have never had a good relationship with her to this day but I understood that she came from a very different background that she lived her life for 50 years thinking the world worked in one way how long and I was have, open to that how long have they been in Canada my mom has been in Canada since she was 16 okay yeah that's good yeah. in the 70s because growing up my parents were really critical about the things that we did and oh you know who what are they going to think and what are they going to yeah, think Italians and, not far oh, off still the and, same. and yeah. I you know what and I grew up going mom and dad like I was a black sheep too because yeah. I would fight them on it and say who cares like I don't care what anybody thinks I don't care I don't care I'm going to live mm-hmm. my life you know what on Sunday nights when people go to sleep or any night of the week and they lay their head down they're not thinking about you and your issues mm-hmm. they're thinking about their own yeah. and then growing up they started seen you know their friends kids getting into trouble and divorcing it's great wasn't it i love that and then everything became everything was normal right it's like so now they've adapted to our society and nothing's really a big deal anymore so i think if i came out now and said hey you know i'm a lesbian i think that they would be okay with that i think it's the community mentality that's still an issue Mm -hmm. because i remember you know a few a year before I even told my mother I was gay, she and my aunt were getting ready to go down to Pride and support the community. Like they were so into it, because you know she's been here since she's been sixteen years old. She watches the news every day. She hears about the struggles, the type of you know violent attacks towards the gay community, cultural communities all over the world. So she had empathy, and she wanted to celebrate the community. Um, so I think you're right, Laura. Like there there is a lot of that. I but I think it's a she's afraid of what people may think about me. So I remember when I told her, she's like, well, you know, you have a master's degree. You dress so well. You're so handsome. I don't want someone to think so badly of you. And then all of that is stripped away in a second. Mm-hmm. And a- then I had to assure her that that's just not the yeah. way it works. There's a thing in um, South Asian community. It's called Izzet, which is family yeah. honor. And that is something that's a very big deal in the um, South Asian community. Um, that whole idea of is it then um, holding honor. up your family? Yeah, honor. Ho- yeah, yeah, holding up your family honor. Um, and there's this fantastic um, play which I was uh, part of. It's funny when I was doing, you know, reading up, um, getting prepared for this talk today. It's 
it's been 11 years since we did our first play of Mary Kahani, which was, it, it's like a, a South Asian-inspired Bedouin monologues, but it was all these vignettes about people that were in different relationships that weren't necessarily the best relationships. Um, you know, um, some of them were, you know, sexually violent or physically violent. And, um, you know, people often stayed in these bad relationships for that family honor. Um, you know, there was even a line in that play um, where somebody had said, getting a divorce is worse than being hit by your husband. Um, oh so, God. and it was just, and oh. it was two social workers that... Um, Why but, is it such taboo to get divorced in your community? I think it is changing. It's uh, definitely changing, but it was that whole thing of, of honor. And especially when two families, if two families have brought that relationship together you're sort of crumbling apart those relationships between not just those two people, but those two families. And that was seen as a big deal. But it is definitely Mm -hmm. changing. And now people's own happiness is certainly becoming more to the forefront. Daniel, your parents are divorced, you were telling me. Were they shunned from the community because of it? or? No, I think, you know, they celebrated. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, my parents, they just never got along. So they needed to divorce in order to kind of be happy. But I think the reason why they stayed in that relationship for so long, and it was so nasty, that relationship. I mean, we I, I think I was in the closet for like an extra 15 years because of it, you know, because it shut me up in so many ways. But I think my mom had to find her liberation and all of that. And they were so afraid of what people may think of them being divorced because it's mm-hmm. kind of like this this nasty label that gets put on you and they were so afraid of it that they just stuck around and they tried to make it work and it just ruined so many things. And at the end of the day, it worked out for the better for everybody, right? It did. But let me tell you, if it happened 18 years earlier, I probably would have come out when I was 10 years old. <laughs> I probably would have I, because, you know, your parents are so much of the, the community and the house that you grow up in that if they're not confident in who they are, it never gives you the the agency you need to kind of say, hey, I'm gay, you know? So I think divorce is so huge. If it doesn't happen when it needs to, it could lead to so many different things. When we come back, we're going to talk about the pressures to excel in education on the Dating and Relationship Show. Now back to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bilotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Thanks for tuning in. Today we have Daniel Pillay in studio with us. He's a media personality and LGBTQ advocate for the South Asian community, as well as Mira Solanke Strada. She's the founder and editor-in-chief of Fusia Media. We're talking about um, South Asian relationships, their patterns in dating and marriage. I want to talk about the pressures to excel in education now. So why do South Asian women put such an emphasis on one schooling and profession. Okay, I know the parents do as well. Mm-hmm. But why do the women, when they're looking for a partner, they're always putting so much pressure to find someone that has to be a doctor, a lawyer, a mm-hmm. dentist, an architect? Because as a matchmaker, you know, if he's got a college degree, forget it. I mean, it could be the most perfect match in the world, could be the most fantastic guy, treat you like gold, but no, he's got a college certificate. Okay. I think there's some layers to it. I want to look at at history for a second. Because as South Asians, we have come from a place where we were colonized and oppressed. And for many of us... um, the cycle, the way to cycle out of poverty is education. So, and I'm going to speak for about this per, from a 
personal place. So the caste system is still something that is very much well and alive. People can say wow. it's not, but it is. Wow. And I have no problem saying this. My family is not from the highest caste. In fact, my family was extremely poor in India. And my grandfather insisted that everyone be educated no matter what because that was the only way that we could overcome and come out of those labels and, you know, and come out of that cycle of poverty. He said, you know, education is paramount. Um, my parents actually left in um um, India when my mom was just a baby and my mom left um, they went to Africa my mom left Africa when she was just 18 she went to England on her own she did she studied nursing she became a midwife then she married my father she helped my father through university and it has been ingrained in us it is the most paramount thing to have education because that is something that will always be with us nobody can take that from us um, but we grew up so in similar. But, but Sandra, for right? so many, yeah. up in I think for homes. so many of us, and from people that have lived with that um, caste system of being put down, and that's something that is part of our history and of that colonization. Education is something that nobody can take from us, and so personally, I can I can speak to that. That's something that is with me. My education. But some people of, can educate themselves. Of, uh, you, don't totally. have to, you don't have to go to university and get a degree in order to be intelligent. Totally. There are I, so many business just, owners that I know of that didn't go to university. Sure. And they're millionaires. Or dropped out. And look at these yeah. guys that are some of these blue-collar workers. Like my girlfriend, she's married to a blue-collar oh, guy. Sure. I and just think there they is They do some... well. And he's the most amazing husband ever. Like, I feel like they're missing oh, yeah. out. No, and I, I totally agree. I just think there is some, some history behind that. And there's reasons that... Um, people might feel that way. Daniel? So, you know, I, I definitely understand what you're saying. And I think when you're closely connected to that history, then that's, certain, that's definitely a situation. But, you know, I've had girlfriends who met a great guy and, you know, she wants to get married and he was so perfect, but he didn't have a master's. He only graduated from college and that was a huge issue for her. And was I it was for like, her and her parents? I don't know, her. you know, but, you know, she always said that her parents wanted someone educated. That's fine. But college, you know, he's doing well for himself. Why? why like, why is he not part of your list? Because he doesn't have a master's. And so I, I find that what you're saying is true on one end of the scale. But then I think it's something else on the other end of the scale. Because I think, you know, if you've got, you, you got to have some leeway here, yeah. I think. Yeah. And to me, that's something personal. Like, I need to be educated myself. It's not something I need in my partner I, I'm not sure I'm not sure what it is when people feel like that their partner has to have these well, they're, labels they're marrying the, up maybe it's that whole yeah. caste mm -hmm. system mentality yeah or and maybe that like because for me I don't subscribe to the caste system at all. I think it does mm -hmm. not make any sense the label you're given when you're born does not mean that's the type of person that you're going to be the dating world is tough it's so hard to meet someone nowadays so if you find the perfect person they might not come al along again so you know like oh, if yeah. someone has a college degree as opposed to a university degree give it a shot Oh, you know, for sure. Don't worry about the small stuff. That's all small stuff. Yeah, worry about how they treat you as a human being. And are they going to do like, do they have the same morals as you? Like, you know, are you going to get along with their personality? How yeah. are they going to treat you? These are things that yeah. we need to look at. So how does technology and online dating play into finding a partner within the South Asian community? Daniel? I think, you know, when I 
the way I kind of networked myself into this media business was uh, uh, being a social media intern for a company called Two Mangoes, which is no longer mm-hmm. around, but it was South Asian, an online portal for South Asians. And their whole thing was, is South Asian dating done right. That it wasn't about matrimonials, because that was huge. That's very traditional, where your parents kind of put up a profile for you, trying to find you the perfect <laughs> wife or husband. It. I love it. But this was more of, I guess, mainstream dating, mm-hmm. kind of like a match.com so to speak, where you can just be free to meet people. And I think the South Asian community has taken to that. I mean, Laura, I think you would have been out of business if they hadn't taken up, you know, even going to events <laughs> or, you know, open, uh, downloading an app, you know. Mm-hmm. So I think they're open to it. Uh, but, you know, I, I think these events and these apps are just another yeah. point of entry to the whole world. But I think at the end of the day, if you've got certain values that you're not willing to move away from, then you're going to hit that roadblock at and some I, point, you know? I think that's why they like to gravitate to those apps too because culture and religion and some of those things are important for South Asians. Mm-hmm. And so they want to find those apps like the Dill Mill or Desi Date or whatever it might be. Yeah, right? let's talk about religion when we come back. Mm-hmm. Stay with us on the Dating and Relationship Show. You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta. From singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. I'm here with my real estate friend, Holly Garvey Penny. What's up with HGP's tips and trends today? Hi, Sandra. Today's actually a design tip, and that is look up. Huh. I'm talking about taking advantage of the vertical space in your home. There's a lot of square footage up there above the couches and tables. That could mean adding shelves and colorful wall-mounted cabinets of different sizes, stacking your paintings or artwork in an interesting arrangement, changing your floor lamp to wall-mounted lighting. Not only will it add some character to your space, it's also quite functional. Call or email me today. I can help you. They can reach you at hgp at bosleyrealestate.com or 416-322-8000. Thanks, Sandra. Now back to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bilotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. I'm Laura Bilotta. My co-host is Sandra Carusi from Inside Jokes. Daniel Pillay is here, media personality and, and LGBTQ advocate for the South Asian community, as well as Mira Solanki Estrada. Love that. <laughs> Founder and editor-in-chief of Fuja Media. We're talking about South Asian relationships, patterns in dating and marriage. And uh, I want to talk about religion now. Let's talk about that. How acceptable are interfaith marriages in South Asian community? Mira. Because you're married to a guy who's I am. South what? Asian. Um, yeah, my husband is Catholic and I'm a Hindu. And we both grew up quite religious in quite religious homes. I grew up going to um, Balvihar, which is the equivalent of Sunday school. Um, My husband grew up going to a Catholic school up right up to through high school. I find that if your values align, um, you can make it work. But I have to say, being in an interfaith relationship is not for everybody. Like you have to have those tough conversations with yourself first and foremost. Um, Am I open to other religions? Like, do I really see other faiths? Um, I think when the, the problem same... comes in is raising the how you're going to raise the children, mm-hmm. right? Because if you're Catholic, you got to get your first communion, you got to get. But um, so that's where you have those conversations. You can't. You have to have these conversations with your partner ahead of time. You can't sort of play it by the fly as you go along. You have to have those tough conversations with your partner. What if you renege? <laughs> 
That happens. But, yeah, then you might. And especially some people get quite religious later on in life. Um, but it's important to have those to have those talks. Um, I know for my husband and I, before we had both ceremonies, we had to have um, these sort of counseling sessions with a pastor before getting married, which is probably the best thing we could do because he forced us to ask ourselves those questions. You know, how are you going to raise your your children? Are they going to be multi-faith? Are they going to only follow mm-hmm. one faith? Um, you know, those aren't things we That's really thought smart. about. We were just like, oh, we're so in love. And then we had to actually think about what are we going to do about all of these different things? And um, Daniel, what religion really are you? So my dad's side are all baptized Christians and my mom's side are all Hindu. So I went to church on Sundays and I went to Bible study class and I went to the Monday or two. So mm-hmm. I had a, a mix of everything, really. So it can work. It, yeah. it can. I personally feel this way as a parent of two children that are multi-faith is that as interfaith parents, I actually feel like we have not just a responsibility, but we actually have a privilege of teaching not just tolerance, but teaching a beautiful acceptance that there's not not one way to practice faith. There's many ways to practice faith and you can That's see well God said. in mm-hmm. such, in mm-hmm. so many lovely ways. And I love I, that. I feel quite honored that I can teach my two kids this. And it's just one way that I'm adding to society, two kids that are seeing religion in a very open, beautiful way. And if you hear my kids prayer at nighttime, they start with a, uh, in my little bed I lie, um, you know, and then in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost. And then they go into a Hare Krishna prayer and they do it so seamlessly and they don't see anything wrong or different about that. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Daniel, last questions for you. So conversations around gay and transgender relationships are being had more and more in Canada mm-hmm. and part of mainstream pop culture and are gladly becoming a widely accepted uh, part of our society. Has there been any progression in the South Asian community on this front? I I think, you know, I use my family as an example. I think it's baby steps, but look at the way my grandmother reacted, you know. I mean, she's saying that because of all the CP24 and the Mm -hmm. CBC and the global news that she's watching every day and the things that are happening around the world. And then my mom, she celebrates pride with me. She comes to the parade every year. So I think my family is just an example. And I think... The progress is there if you allow it. You know, we just spoke about religion. I find the the biggest problem is is how people justify their values using religion as an excuse. So it really comes down to how you think about the world, how you think about people, what you think of people, and how you choose to live alongside the people next to you. That's the that's the issue, and that's so individual. And I find that people take culture and religion as a way to justify their actions. And I think that if you have the actions of being open minded. And listening to people and understanding where they're coming from, what their experiences are, you can allow progress to come in, you know, in any way, shape or form. It could be in the way you do your prayers at night. It could be in the food you eat. It could be in the person you decide to marry. Or it could simply be not deciding to avoid Wellesley Station during Pride and walking through the parade just to get where you need to go. It could be as subtle as that. So as long as you're open to it, you know, it's there. No, well said. Thank you so much. That's our show for today. So thank you, uh, Daniel and Mira, for joining us today. And where can people find you, Daniel? DanielPillay.com is my website, or my Instagram is Daniel.Pillay, P-I-L-L-A-I. Mira? You can find me right here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Yes, you have a new show. Look at you. Cultured Saturdays at 8 p.m. alongside with my co-hosts Anika Elliott and the Sandy Lion. You have two co-hosts. Yes. Yeah. 
Nice, great. Uh, Sandra, I'm I'm proud to be part of the first Canadian Association of Stand Up Comedians, and we are doing a comedy marathon June 18th at the Rivoli. Uh, it's 12 hours of straight comedy and all the best comics in the city and beyond. Uh, I'm going to do an afternoon delight myself. I'm going to do a little because mm. I I go to sleep at six. Like I my behavior is like a senior. I go to, I eat at four. So I don't think seniors gonna, go to bed at six. <laughs> Children, small children do. You don't know what I know. Anyway, (laughs) uh, I'll be there. Join me. Okay, and uh, if you're looking for South Asian speed dating events, check out singleinthecity.ca. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Until next week, ciao for now.